When Marilyn and I were engaged, we did what couples back in the dark ages used to do. We went to a department store and registered for crystal and for silverware, right? The patterns for uh, crystal and for our silverware. We didn't register for um, china because Marilyn's grandmother gave us her china set. So we, we had China, we just needed to register for crystal and for silverware. And, you know, friends and guests and so forth, people who uh, came to our wedding, uh, went to the store and found out those patterns and many of them bought us uh, pieces of the crystal or silverware. And so by the time we were married, we had a full set of china and crystal and silverware that went into boxes in Marilyn's parents' basement where it lived for the next two years. We lived in an apartment and uh, there was no place for that. It wasn't until we were uh, in our third year of marriage, we moved to the parsonage in Haddonfield. And in that parsonage, there was a break front, which is a fancy word for a shelf. Um, it's one of those, you know, ca uh, cabinets that's usually got a glass front and you put your china and your crystal there so everybody can see the beautiful china and crystal that you have. And that's where it stays. We don't use that stuff very often. And I'm panicked anytime we pull it off the shelf to use it because it's so fragile. And I'm a klutz. And you don't want to break this stuff because it's expensive and it's beautiful and, and all of that kind of thing. And uh, so, but every once in a while, we would have to pull it off the shelf and use it. Now, the thing about china and silverware and crystal is there's a lot of rules around it, right? I mean, it's not just a plate and a knife and a fork and a cup. It is a goblet. And there is one for water or, you know, and one for something else. And then there are multiple plates. There's the dinner plate, but then there's the salad plate. And then the roll plate. There's a lot of plates. And the silverware, forget about the silverware. It's like a whole row of stuff. And I'm never sure which one do I use for the salad, which one is for the meal, which spoon do you use for what it's it's terrifying and then you know it's the little cup and saucer which i hate because i want a mug of coffee it's this little like yeah like a teaspoon practically of coffee and when you're done hopefully i've gotten through the meal without breaking anything when you're done you can't put it in the dishwasher it all has to be hand washed and the silverware has to be polished and then you put it back up on the brake front, whew, not to be used again for a long time. That's religion. That's religion. It may be beautiful, it may be complex, there's a lot of rules around it, but it's something on a shelf that maybe we pull down from time to time on a special occasion and treat it very carefully and there's a lot of rules and we don't really understand it and we don't want to break anything until we put it back on the shelf and go back to our 
regular stuff. I love the regular stuff. We had false craft back in those days. You know what false craft is? I mean, these are like, these are stone plates, right? Like you can't break this stuff. They used to use them for shields back in the Roman days. <laughs> That's where false craft came from, I'm sure. I mean, it's heavy duty stuff and if you chip it, nobody cares and you throw it in the dishwasher and you use it every day and you've got one fork and one knife and a, and a cup. It's your everyday stuff. That's faith. We're doing the series we're calling Unreligious and it's the difference between a religious life and a life of faith in Jesus. A life of faith in Jesus is an everyday living out my faith. It's not something that is fragile and complex and lots of rules and only on special occasions. It's the everyday of our lives. When Jesus called people to follow him, he didn't say, come and follow me. I'm going to teach you a new religion. In fact, just the opposite. He was calling people out of their religious lives into a life of faith. And that's why the religious leaders of the time did not like him, didn't trust him, wanted him gone because he was breaking up their beautiful religious practices and saying it's nothing like that. Come and follow me, he said, and I will show you the way of God. I will teach you the truth of God, and I will give you life. That's what he promised, that's what he delivered. He said, just follow me and watch what I do, listen to what I teach, and you'll learn about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is all about. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship with me. And so that's what we've been talking about in this series, that's what we've been looking at uh, as we've gone through this, this study together. And as we're closing it out today, I wanna close out with three questions that I want you to think about Three questions that I want you to kind of carry with you beyond this morning and out into the day. The first question is this. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you said yes to Jesus? If you boil Christianity down to its essence, it's simply that saying yes to Jesus. Christianity is not about a religion. It's not about um, a historic event that happened thousands of years ago where people uh, of that day followed some itinerant rabbi, learned some things about God, and after he died, they continued to carry it on. That's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is about a resurrected Messiah. God incarnate, who lived, who taught, who died, and who was raised from the dead. And 500 people saw him and responded, and it changed their lives, and it changed history. 
The most significant time in the life of the church was the first 300 years after the resurrection. It had so transformed lives that people couldn't deny it. There were no cathedrals, there was no Bible in those first 300 years. There was just the story of the resurrected Jesus. And people who said, yes, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. Yes, I believe that you can forgive me of my sin. Yes, I believe that yours is the way, that yours is the truth, and that through you I can have a new life, an abundant life, and the hope and the promise of an eternal life. Yes. So the Christian faith begins when you say yes to Jesus. And so my question is, have you? If you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you today to say yes. Not because you have all your questions answered, not because you've got it all figured out, but that you recognize that something significant happened there that transformed the lives of people then and continued for 2,000 years to transform people's lives. I want to encourage you to say yes. And so what I want, to, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of pause here and kind of go into a prayer type thing. So I'm going to just invite you to, into a spirit of prayer. Um, would invite you to close your eyes, uh, please. And so I want to ask the question again. Have you said yes to Jesus? If you've never said yes to Jesus, and you're ready to do that this morning, I want that to just be your prayer, to just simply say, yes, Jesus. Yes, I want you to be the leader of my life. Yes, I want you to show me the way, to teach me the truth, to give me new life. And it's an act of faith. If you've said yes like that this morning, I want you to just raise your hand, not for me to see, I'm not looking, but just as an act of faith to God, a physical response to just raise your hand. And if you've said yes at some point in your life, you know that that wasn't the end of the story. It's not about getting your ticket punched. It's not about a one and done kind of event. We're called to say yes to Jesus every day. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will trust you for the way. Yes, I wanna live by your truth. Yes, I want your life in my life. And we know that sometimes along the way that we can get distracted, discouraged, following in different directions. But if you'll say yes this morning, even if it's been a while since you've said yes, 
If you'll say yes this morning, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to just raise your hand as an act of faith, not for me, not for others to see, but just as an act of faith to, to Christ. Lord, hear our yes. And I pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that's where our faith starts. It starts with a yes to Jesus. And so the question, first question is, have you said yes? But we're called not just to be disciples. Jesus gave a mandate to his followers to make disciples. He didn't want us to just be disciples. He wanted us to make disciples, to help others to follow him, to be an example to others, to call others into a relationship with Christ and to help them in their journey, not just our own. We're called into this kind of community and to be active in our faith. So you're called to make disciples. How do you do that? Well, there's some great insights that we find from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church of Colossae, the Colossian church. And I want to read this to you. It's from Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Paul writes this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. There's two things that Paul says here. The first thing that he says here is to live wisely. Here's the question that I have for you. How does your way of life reflect your faith in Jesus Christ? How does your life reflect your faith in Jesus Christ? Right, so Lou was talking about what he does in his work life and in his neighborhood and so forth as he tries to put others first. What does it look like for you? Paul says to live wisely among unbelieving people. What does it mean to live wisely? To live wisely means to put into practice the things that Jesus taught, right? That's what a wise person does. That's what wise living looks like. Put into practice the things that Jesus said. What did Jesus say? You know, and that may feel like it's overwhelming to you, right? Like, I don't know, there's a whole, body, there's a whole lot of information there. There's the gospels and all of this stuff. I, what does that even look like? It's simple. It's not simplistic, it's simple. You know that Jesus said that we are to love our neighbors, how? As ourselves. So we know that, you probably learned that as a child. What does that look like? How do I live that out? It's simple, it's not simplistic, it's not easy to do. But we know that, right? We know that Jesus called us to do unto others as we would what? Have them do to us. Do for others as you would have them do for you. It's another 
principle. It's another way of thinking about the way that you live out your daily life. What would that look like today in this situation, in this relationship? We know that Jesus said, don't judge others. Don't condemn others. What does that look like in our daily lives? It's not difficult. It's not complex. It's simple. Not always easy to do. You know, it's not really an... um, How would I describe this? It's not about doing some big showy thing, right? To show that you're a Christ follower. I'm gonna sell everything that I have, I'm gonna give it all to the poor, and I'm gonna go to a foreign country and be a missionary, right? That's probably not what Jesus is calling you to do. If it is, cool, go do that. But it's probably not for most of you. Really, it ends up being a hundred little things that you do over the course of a day. It's a hundred little things that you do, a hundred little decisions that you make about how you're going to treat people, how you're going to act and react as you go through the course of a day, through the course of a week. I got a great email I wanted to share with you guys because it it kind of talks about this. There's... um, I got this last week. It was right after the craft fair. And uh, so this woman wrote to me and she said, you know, I was at the craft fair with my three boys and uh, we we go to this church as as often as we can. Um, But my sons, uh, I gave them each their wallet uh, and let them go and kind of shop on their own without without me overseeing it. This is where it picks up. She said, apparently my six-year-old dropped his wallet um, at some point near the end of our time there. A man found his wallet and because his school ID was in it, this gentleman brought his wallet to the Berlin Community School and gave it to the office. I was absolutely blown away by this amazingly kind gesture. The office ladies did not get his name. I'm wondering if you could find out who this kind soul is so my Toby can write him a thank you card. All of his birthday money was in his wallet, much more than a six-year-old should be carrying. If anything, could you please put an announcement in the bulletin that a very grateful Toby would like to thank a very kind and honest man who was so thoughtful to follow through in returning a little boy's wallet. Thank you, have a wonderful day. And so I did what she asked me to do. I reached out to the guys who put together the craft fair and what happened was exactly what I expected. Nobody took responsibility for it. The person chose to be anonymous, not looking for credit, just doing the right thing. What a great example. That person set for a little boy 
about what people at church do for each other. It was a simple thing. It was a one-time decision by a guy who found a wallet and decided to take the step and bring it to a school. How does your life reflect your faith in Christ? And like I said, it's a it's hundred little things that we do every day as we follow Christ. That's what it means to live wisely. Paul gave second piece of counsel in that scripture. So the words are gonna be back on the screen. This time, let's read it together. Same scripture, let's read it together. Live wisely among those who are not believers and Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response. So when you have the opportunity to talk about your faith, that you have the words to describe it, right? Is what Paul's saying. So think about what would you say? I talked to, uh, or I, I asked um, Lou, you know, if you're in the house and the fire and that whole thing, it's a crazy illustration, of course, but, but if you had just a few moments to talk about your faith, what would you say? I'm not talking about your religion, I'm not talking about giving them a full theological construct of the Christian faith with words like atonement and um, and eschatology and so forth, all of those terms that I paid a lot of money to learn at a seminary. Right? How would you tell your faith story? You have a faith story. How would you tell it? And really, it's, it's just, you know, like any other story, like any story, you would talk about who I was uh, before I said yes to Jesus, that point in my life when I said yes to Jesus, and then my life since then. It's three parts, and you could tell it in just a few minutes. You heard lose. Mine would go something like this. I was raised in the church, pretty religious family. We went to church every Sunday, and at dinner every night, my dad would, would pray. And he said the same prayer every single night over dinner. I used to have it memorized. I can't remember it anymore. It's been a long time, right? But it was the same prayer. We were a pretty religious family. But it didn't really mean anything. It was a Sunday morning thing, and then we would go on about the rest of our lives. My oldest brother, this was uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. My oldest brother uh, got involved in drugs. And it created chaos in his life and in our family. And my parents didn't know what to do or, or how to respond to all of that. It was so foreign to our experience as a family. 
But that summer of my brother's senior year of high school, he got invited somehow to a conference for youth at a camp up in upstate New York run by an organization called Young Life. We can't remember who invited him or why he got invited, but he went. And during his time at that camp, he had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed his life. And I got to watch that change of his life in real time and saw how it affected his life and then how it affected my family. Suddenly my mom and dad went from people who were kind of religious to people who had this faith in Jesus. And so I'm watching this play out and it's affecting me and I'm thinking about church differently, I'm hearing teachings differently. I'm asking different kinds of questions because of this experience that's going on in my family's life. And so around the time I turned 17, I said yes to Jesus. I couldn't deny what I was seeing happening in my family, and so I said yes to Jesus. And from that point forward, everything changed. The trajectory of my life changed. It affected where I went to college. It affected decisions I made about um, my life in those early days. I made a lot of bad decisions. It wasn't that I got everything right by any stretch of the imagination. I was still a knucklehead guy, right? But it changed my focus. And as I matured and my faith matured, my decisions matured. I didn't want to go into ministry at all. I had no interest in going into ministry, but had this undeniable struggle within me that I felt this calling. And for two years, I wrestled with that and finally said yes. That's my story. Now, it's a 40 plus year story. There's a whole lot of detail in there that if anybody were, were interested, I could tell you more about it. Nobody's that interested. Right? But that's my story. It's changed my life. You have a story. You have a story about your early days, you know, before you were, had said yes to Jesus. It doesn't mean you were a disaster. It doesn't mean you were a bad person. It just is your life before you said yes. What was going on in your life when you said yes? And what's it meant going forward? So the third question is this. Can you tell your faith story in a clear and concise way. Can you tell your faith story in a clear and concise way? And it would take a little bit of time to just kind of think that through. So at this point, the, uh, the band's gonna come back up and lead us in a closing song. And so I just wanna kind of close out with this, that, that this whole thing, 
that we've been talking about is Christianity is not about a religion. It's not that beautiful, fragile, rules-laden idea of religion. It's about a relationship with a living, active God who came to us in the person of Jesus to show us the way, to teach us the truth, and to give us a new life.